on this psalm. This psalm is attributed to David, and he's known to have written many of the psalm, not all of the psalm, but many of them, and it's known as a wisdom psalm. How many like wisdom? All right, the Bible says if you lack wisdom, the Bible says you can ask for it in James, and the Lord will give it to you. So if you need a little bit of wisdom, all you got to do is ask the Lord. And so this is a wisdom psalm. Proverbs 1, 7 says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or if you have a different translation, it says wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So for how many of you have ever met somebody that just doesn't like instruction or to change? I'm not talking about your kids, all right? I, I'm talking about uh, just in general, where people, they just don't, you, you give them a lesson, and they just don't want to change, and you're like, I, I can help you with this, and, uh, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, right? And But this psalm exists to point out us to a matter that we all need the Lord. How many know that we all need the Lord? And not only do we need the Lord, but we need the Lord to come and search us and reveal in us things that don't need to be in us, Right? Oh, man, you had me when you said, I need the Lord, but you don't like it when he comes and sits in your front porch and begins to, begins to search us. And, and, and we all need change. It's wise, I like this, it's wise to run to the Lord, but it's wiser to obey his word and change after you've run to him. Right? It's, it's wise to run to the Lord, but it's wiser to obey and change after, after you've run to him. So this psalm describes the attributes of the Lord uh, um, and his qualities, but 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 as uh, their active qualities by which he relates himself to his people. This is how God uh, relates to us. So here's the structure of this psalm. It's simply this: is verses one through six is how God knows us, or in in this case, David's writing it, how God knows David. So or how God knows us. How many know that the Lord knows you? Everything about you. Uh, the second part is a celebration of how God is with David or with us. So that's verses 7 through 12. So God begins to talk about uh, this celebration of how God is with us. How many are glad that God not only knows us, but he's with us? Amen. And then the next por portion is, is verses 13 through 16, a celebration of how God created David or created us from the moment of conception. Now that's important right there. We're going to get to that. How many know that God knew you? Oh, man, he knew you in your mother's womb. He knit your parts together. He put you together fittingly. It's beautiful. And then um, that's verses 17. Uh, uh, verses 17 and 18 is this, God's thoughts towards David or us. Did you know that they are innumerable or innumerable? So you can't even count how often the Lord thinks about you. And that's amazing when you think about the God of the universe cares about you that much. You're always on his mind. A prayer, uh, verses 19 through 22, is a prayer for the punishment of the Lord's enemies. And some of us like to focus on the Lord. Hey, punish, punish the enemies. Lord, get after the enemies, right? Some of us pray harder for that than we do for God to change us. And, but this is beautiful. And then lastly, the last part of this psalm is this, is a prayer that God would search and lead David, or God would search and lead me. And I think this is beautiful. As I studied this psalm and I began to, to read it again, this psalm, I felt like that the Lord led me to this psalm for this particular time. Um, because there are times where, you know, you're on a mountain experience where you're, you're doing, uh, you're seeing God do great things. But, and, and you know, here's, here's where I am. I want to know the Lord more. How many want to know the Lord more? 
I want to feel his presence like I've never felt his presence before. I, I, I want to I feel his presence in a fresh way. But I was reminded, come on, I was reminded that it takes a brave person to let the Lord examine your heart. Right? All right, you guys don't have to be so quiet up in here. It takes a brave person to say, hey, Lord, come and examine my heart. You got to be honest. You got to be a little bit crazy to say that, you know, because uh, it takes a person who is, and this is why it takes a, a brave person, because it takes a person who is serious about their walk with the Lord who can be honest and real with the Lord. Lord, I, I need to be honest and real with you. I'm just going to be o- open to you. So let's look at this Psalm, Psalm 139. It says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. And uh, that word, O Lord, or Jehovah, everyone say Jehovah, or our Hebrew friends would say Jehovah, uh, they would say it like that. But Jehovah, you have searched me or you have examined me in, in, a, in a very close way, in an intimate way. Lord, you, you know the details about me, not just a glance, but Lord, you know me deep within myself. You know what I like, you know what I don't like, you know what, what makes me mad, come on. How many uh, in here, you know, that are married, all the married folks, how many know that your spouse knows you in a way like nobody else on the wor- in the world knows you or should know you, I should say, right? There is an intimacy because they, they know you. They know what buttons to push. Come on, when you're in a fight, don't be looking at your spouse. Come on, I got Brandon back there. Amen. Praise the Lord, right? They know you, right? But but the Lord, he knows us, and, and when he searches us, I, I like this verbiage, he searches us, and it says, you have known me. That's past tense. You have known me. You already know who I am. You already know. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who, who knows us, but not, not just knows you, but he, he knows you intimately. He knows everything about you. God knows your name. God knows what you like. God knows that you don't like certain salad dressings. Come on, right? Some God knows you don't like salads. Come on, some of you, right? Uh, God knows your tendencies. God knows the number of hair on your head. And if you could just get that in your head for a moment, that the God of the universe knows you in the most intimate way possible. I don't know, when I begin to just think about how the Lord knows me and how he searched me and how he knows me, that blows my mind. It goes a little bit deeper. So uh, why does God search us and why does God know us? Well, here's what he does. He's, he's active to search and test his servants. How many have ever went through a, a situation where you felt like, Lord, why are you testing me, right? Lord, why am I going through this right now? And God's saying, I want to know if you're pure or not. I, I'm working these things in you. He knows us, and he knows our motives. He knows our desires. He knows our words before they are expressed. And some of us say, oh, I need to change my words, right? In other words, he knows his servants completely. Look at this, verse 2. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. All right, this next one ought to scare you. You discern my thoughts from afar. <laughs> You know, when you think nobody's 
paying attention and that thought that's coming in your mind, you're like, no one, not even my wife knows what I'm thinking right now. Guess what? God is discerning your thoughts from afar. Some of you start shaking right now, right? You begin to think about that. Uh, you know when I'm down and you know when I'm up in the high places and in the low places. Lord, you know when I'm, when I'm on a mountaintop experience. And God, you know when I'm in a valley experience. He knows where you are. Uh, not to reward or punish you accordingly, but he knows where you are to minister to you personally. How many can say, hey, God has ministered to me personally in the high season, and God has ministered to me personally in the low season when you needed him most? Look at this, verse 3. You search out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, or Jehovah, you Know it all together. The Lord knows every thought I think before I think it. Now, here's the next step. The Lord knows every word that I'm going to speak or was going to speak before I speak it. I can't help but think if we were to live by this verse, we'd slow down with our words, right? Is this going to benefit anybody? Is this going to bless the Lord? Is, is the words coming out of my mouth going to help somebody? Are the words out of my mouth negative? Are they damaging? Are they slanderous? Come on, somebody, right? And, and I don't know about you. I, I, this, our society, uh, when you walk out in public, uh, you know, we live in a society now where there is no respect with your words, right? You can go into stores and you can hear young people or you can he even hear old people, man, just dropping the most obscene uh, words in the supermarket, right, with your kids. How many know what I'm talking about? No, or how many, uh, somebody said, some of you don't want to raise your hand because you might be the people doing that. I don't know. I'll be praying for you, right? Or maybe, and, and, you know, and, and it's, it's unusual because, you know, in our lives, you know, we hear these things consistently and they've become the norm, Right. Everyone just wants to say what they want to say without any, you know, anyone holding them accountable. And it's the normal, right? And I wonder if people realize that God knew the words you were speaking. God knows the jokes that you are telling. Oh, God knows uh, the things that you've said. And, and if we truly feared and we truly reverenced and honored God, man, you know what we would do? We would Barney Fife that and nip it in the what? Oh, thank you. There's my older crowd. Nip it in the bud, Andy, right? You know, one of my, the things that I, I do, you know, sometimes when I go out in public because I don't wear a suit and tie and I don't carry my Bible around, a lot of times I can, I can blend in a crowd without people knowing that I'm a pastor at times, right? And it amazes me how sometimes when I'm in a crowd, you know, people will tell an off-color joke or people will tell, uh, say something, and they'll be just cussing out, and they'll be like, oh, this is my friend TJ. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor of a church. And they'll go, right? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I got a foul mouth. I'm sorry. I, I got a foul mouth. Sorry I have to say that, you know. And, and But, you know, the, the reason being is, you know, some people, you know, they, they want to honor God, right? But they don't want to honor God fully even in their words, right? What about the God of the universe? Would you apologize to him? Shouldn't we honor him with our lips and our hearts and our words, right? More so than just when we see a pastor or, or someone's around 
Some of you, you know, may know this. You may talk one way, and then you get around your mom who's saved, and then you get, oh, got to clean up my language because I'm around mom who, who's praying. She'll slap me in the mouth because she's the only lady who can still slap you in the mouth as a grown person, right, and tell you not to, not to do that. Look at this. Verse 5 says this. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hands upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I can uh, I, I cannot attain it. And, and, and here is the purpose of the Lord searching us and knowing us is here in verse 5, to protect us. To protect us. How many want the Lord's protection? Got to let him search you. Got to be real. God, I, I need you to search me. I need you to change my motives. To, uh, you're, you protect me from the front is what it says, and you protect me from the back and from the side. It's like God is your posse. It's you and God's this posse all the way around you. You could stick your chest out because the Lord is walking with you. The Lord is with me. He's got me in the front. He's got me in the back. He's got me on the sides. I love that. I love this part where it says you lay your hands upon me. And this reminds me of what a hand can do in comforting someone. You ever been in a moment where you were struggling and somebody, you just felt a hand come upon you and rest upon you and you just know, man, somebody is with me. I, uh, just recently, when uh, uh, last week when I was at my uncle's funeral, I, I had a moment there at the end of the funeral and I just broke down crying. And uh, in that moment, I, I was just, you know, I had my little handkerchief there and just, just weeping in, in my in my handkerchief and crying, and I felt a hand on my back, and and I felt a comfort to it, and I knew who that hand was. I knew it was my wife, and it was the hand that was just there saying, hey, I'm here. I'm right here with you. I know you're struggling right now, but I'm with you. And the God of the universe, when you are down and when you are lost and when you are crying and when you feel like you don't have a place to turn, listen, if you'll let the Lord search your heart, he will protect you. But not only that, he'll be in front of you, he'll be behind you, he'll be around you, and he'll put his hand upon you and say, I am here with you. How many know that we serve a great God? Our society and world has learned to be led by their heart. Right? That's what our society says. Do what's good for you and who cares about anybody else, right? I believe we live in the most narcissistic, the most selfish society that we have ever seen in in the world, honestly, because it's all about me and my personal things and about nothing about anybody else, right? Our society and the world has learned to be led by their hearts, And Socrates, which I don't like to quote very much, but he says this, life contains but two tragedies. One is not to get your heart's desire, and the other is to get it. So sometimes in our lives, man, we want our heart's desire, but sometimes that's not the best thing for us, right? We live in a society that says, do what your heart says, follow your heart. And can I tell you something? That is the worst advice anyone could give anybody. Say, well, why? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful. Everyone say deceitful. Above all things and desperately sick, who can understand it? Who can understand the heart? You know what that verse tells me? I can't even understand my own heart and my own motives at times. 
And if we're honest and we're real, listen, we have to look at that and say, man, that is so true in my life. Our motives and our attitudes are sometimes buried so deep within us that we're not even aware of them at all. You ever been around somebody that you know that they're just a certain way and you're like, man, that person's that way and they don't even realize they're that way? Our motives are selfish. They're deep within us. We, we, we're selfish. We're entitled. It's our flesh. We don't uh, know our own heart's issue. But if you read on in that verse in Jeremiah, verse 10 in Jeremiah, it says this, Jeremiah 17, 10 says, I, the Lord, everyone say the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Who searches the heart? Who searches the mind? It's not my responsibility to search my heart. It's the Lord's. To give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds, is what that scripture tells us. I can't search the heart, but God can. I can't test the mind, but God can. Paul said it like this in Romans 7:18. Paul, the, the giant of the New Testament church, you know what he said? There is nothing good inside of me. That's somebody who understood his position. And that's why David is, is relieved that God knows him better than we know ourselves. Than David knew himself. God, you know me. God, you know my motives. God, you know when I'm off track. God, you know how to fix me. How many are, are grateful for that? How many are glad that God loves you? That God knows you better than you even Know yourself. Look at this, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there you, your hand shall what? Lead me, and your right hand shall what? Hold me. This is beautiful. There are two views on this bit of scripture where I can, I can go from the Lord. He says, where, where can I go from the Lord? Some say it would be David wanted to flee from the presence of the Lord. I don't believe that because David was a man after God's own heart. I, I really don't believe he was trying to get away from the presence of God. But the other is this, this celebration of, of God's great mercy. And he's saying this, no matter where I am, God is with me. Whether I'm in heaven whether I'm in Sheol or hell is, is what that's translated. It doesn't matter. God is with him. Interestingly enough, David lists things that, that God uh, uh, created or creation. God created heaven. He created Sheol. He created Hades and hell. Uh, he created morning uh, and night. And, and you know what I love about this? Psalm 121, 4 says this, that God doesn't sleep or doze off. Amen. When I'm tired, when, I'm, when I want to quit, God is not falling asleep at the will. Here, here uh, he follows us in the deepest parts of the sea. I, I, I love this because there's a great example of this in the Old Testament. Jonah is the perfect example of, of this verse. No matter where Jonah went when he was running from God, God's hand was right there with him and was auto-correcting him, saying, nope, you're not going to go to Tarshish. I need you to go to Nineveh. He says, no, I know what I want. I know what my heart wants. I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to I'm going to go to Tarshish. And what does God do? He creates a storm, and they, the sailors get in. He's like, I know why this storm's happening. It's me. What do they do? Why did he even open his mouth? I don't know. They throw him off the boat, and he gets swallowed up by a giant fish, right? And there the Lord is with him and takes him to the bottom of the sea. Come on. God's still with him, even in the bottom of the sea, in the middle of a, uh, uh, the belly of a giant fish. 
And so it's it's a great, a great, great thing for us. God was with him. God never left him. God redirected him. How many are glad that when we make our knucklehead mistakes, when our heart gets above what God wants for us, and we go a direction that we shouldn't go, God, he just grabs our hand and he pulls us gently back and says, hey, I need you to go this direction. Isaiah 41.10 says, God will uphold us with his strong right hand or righteous uh, or uh, of righteousness no matter where we are. Whether we're on a mountain like Elijah and Moses, right? Or in a pit like Joseph or a well with, with Jonah, God Jehovah is with us. So I, I don't know about you, I take comfort in that. No matter where I am, no matter in what situation, God is with you. Listen to me, some of you, are in the fight of your life right now. You've never experienced the things that you are going through. Can I just tell you, can I, can I just speak prophetically into your situation? God is with you. Hebrews 13, 5 says that the Lord says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Whether if you're high or whether if you're low, he's there. If you're walking with the Lord, you know what? If you're walking with the Lord, the Lord is with you. Guess what? That should comfort you. If you're not walking with the Lord, that should convict you. He's there with you. He's trying to pull you back. Verse 11 says, if I say surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. So the, the, this simply means God's light is always with us as believers. No matter how bad a situation we're in. You, you know what amazes me? Man, you can tell when somebody is saved and, and man, like like for instance, I and I just just give you just a because it's in my mind going to my uncle's funeral. He was saved. Everyone, most of the people in my family are saved. And, and, and in a dark situation, you know what? It was light because God was working in us. And we knew, hey, they're the hope of Jesus Christ. And, and, we, and man, we, we sang songs and we clapped our hands and we laughed and we, we began to just worship God. Even in the darkest moments, listen, the darkest of dark places, God can turn to light. They're not dark to him. God is watching over us always and leading us to his marvelous life. So it says this. I like this. For you formed. Everyone say formed. Lord, you formed my inward parts. and You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. You know, I love this verse, and we like to quote this verse, but I think some of us don't understand the last part of that verse. Wonderful are your works, for my soul knows it very well, because I think some of us don't realize how wonderfully made that you are. Some of us have been told in our life that, that you don't matter and that, that you are our junk and that you don't have a purpose. Let me tell you something. God made you specifically the way that you are. This verse is a, a verse that tells you all that, what you need to know, listen, I'm going to probably just stir up a little controversy here. I don't care. I'll stand on a, on a hill here. Uh, but you need to know about abortion. God formed, come on, God formed and knitted every baby in their mother's womb. Amen? I know that's tough. 
I know that's tough. I know a lot of us don't want to hear that. But when we value something that God made versus, hey, it's mine, it's my, my selfish. But when we say, hey, God did it, guess what? It puts a different price tag on it, right? He formed every child conceived. Can I tell you this? Listen to me. Listen to me. God values life. God values life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God loves life. And I'm not here to, you know, if you, if you, had, if you had an abortion when you were younger and, and maybe you made some mistakes, listen, I'm not here to, to, to condemn you because God can give you grace and God can forgive you for those things. But can I tell you something? God values life. God values babies. God, uh, you, listen to me, some of you have been told your whole life that you are our junk and that you are not good enough. God does not make junk. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't make junk. You are wonderfully made. Some of you say, man, I wish God would have made me a little different in my abs. Amen. I get an amen over there. I wish God would have gave me hair like my son Wyatt's. <laughs> but when I think about it, I'm wonderfully made. Because there's not another person like me in the world. I, I, I am my own. I don't have a twin. Some of you have twins. I guess there's someone that's identically to you in the DNA. But, but uh, did you know, listen to this, you are wonderfully made. Did you know that your eyes can distinguish between 8 million different colors? Now my wife would argue that with me. Is that, can you see that tone difference? No, I really can't see that tone difference very much. How about this? Your ears can hear about 300,000 to 400,000 different tones. That's amazing. That's amazing right there. How about this? Every day, oh, man, this is crazy. Tristan just had a lot of blood work the other day. They pulled like, I don't know, 16 vials of blood from her. She said, I about passed out. They kept taking blood. But every, every day, your, bo your body produces 2.3 million blood cells. You ready for this? Every second. Not every hour, every second, two to three million uh, uh, blood cells every second and 173 to 259 billion blood cells daily. That's amazing. You know you were such a factory in your life, did you? You know that your body was doing such great things. No wonder I'm tired all the time. My body's working all the time, right? Every one of those cells, listen to this, I, I love this, you know, depending on the size of your body, but every person has somewhere between 30 trillion to 100 trillion cells in your body. That's a lot of cells, right? And every one of those cells has the DNA mapping to duplicate you in, in its double helix, right? How many, are, how many are, know what I'm talking about? Some of you don't. Some of you don't. Listen, you just look it up. You'll, you'll see that. But there's, there's the mapping of the DNA. Come on. They're, they're trying to clone, right, trying to do all that stuff. But inside that is, is who you are. And every one of those cells has the DNA mapping to duplicate you in a double helix. But if we took the, uh, the estimated, listen to this, if we took the estimated 50 trillion cells in a human body, let's just say 50 million just to kind of be in the middle there, and stretched out the DNA, you could make it to Chicago? No. You could make it to New York? No. You could make it to Hong Kong? No. You could make it to the moon? 
No. You could make it to the sun 93 million miles away? Yes. You could make it 300 times there and back. The mapping inside of you. How many could say, hey, you are wonderfully made. Man is good. God is awesome. Amen. Listen, 150 million uh, uh, meters of, of, of this. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, it amazes me. 300 times, 300 times to, to the sun and back. And then, or if, you know, if, you're, if you don't quite understand that distance, how about 2.5 million times around the earth's equator? And that's just one person. That's amazing to me. God is amazing. So next time, listen to me, next time you feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. And you need to pull this verse out. You need to quote this verse. And you need to understand something, that you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. And that God has a purpose for you. And you need to remind your soul, like this verse says, and know it very well, that God loves you and he cares about you. And he's got a plan for you. Amen? Amen. You are truly incredibly made by God Almighty. Look at this, verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. So my frame in the King James uh, version, it says my substance. It speaks of uh, the development of the womb, speaks made in secret. And, and God knew my substance, and God knew my frame. And, and, and ancient people at this time were fascinated with how a fetus was formed. And we know here in our modern time, we, we got some of the best things to look at babies now, and, and man, you can almost take a, a 3D image and see a face before you actually see a face, you know, uh, but they didn't understand that ancient times, and they were, they were, uh, wondered how fetuses were formed, and oftentimes they thought that fetuses were formed in the depths of the earth, you know, but God put us together like he wanted us to be, you know, when I was growing up, I, I always wanted to be taller, come on, anybody else want to be taller, come on, raise your hand, Tyler. I always wanted to be stronger. Come on, anybody want to be stronger in here? Right? I, 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 always, I always wanted, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, be smarter. Come on, anybody else want to be smarter? I had to work for hard grades. Anybody else have to work for hard grades? They didn't come easy to me. Sometimes they did, but sometimes I had to work for them for hard grades. But uh, I often, and here's what I did. I often compared myself to others. And I, and I got on this bandwagon in my life where I was constantly comparing myself to God, I'm not as good as this person. God, I'm not as, as talented as this person. And, 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 and it wasn't, listen to me, listen to me, I'm going to give you some good, good things. It wasn't until my mid-20s that God finally showed me and God began to work on me and he began to show me that I was created the way that he wanted me to be. It took me a long time to understand that God had a purpose and he had a plan specifically for T.J. Skiles. And listen to me, as, as the people of God, if you'll understand that and stop trying to compare yourself to everybody else and say, God, you've got a plan for me, God, help me. And oftentimes we question God's handiwork. And listen to me, when we question God's handiwork, God, why am I this way, is to question his wisdom and his sovereignty and his ability. Look at this. In, in the Old Testament in Judges, there's a man named Ehud. Anybody ever heard of Ehud? One of the judges in the book of Judges. I believe it's Judges chapter 3. And, and, and Ehud is a, is a neat character. He's a left-handed guy, and, and he is the guy who goes in for Israel, and he stabs the king uh, of Jericho. Come on, am I ringing any bells in here? 
All right, I need to preach on this. I, 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 I have a great sermon on this. But Ehud is left-handed. He's a left-handed guy, which is odd. How many are left-handed in the building? Raise your hand if you're left-handed. That's what I thought. Just a few people raising their hand. How many are right-handed in the building? You people are in your left minds. All the left-handed people are in their right minds. All right. Um, the, 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 but, but, he, but Ehud is left-handed, and, and he is able to sneak into where the king is because most people were right-handed, and they didn't check him to see if he had a dagger because he was left-handed, and he had it on his right side. He was able to sneak in a dagger. And the Bible says this, this uh, king of Jericho was a large man. He was a huge, huge guy. I think his name was Eglon. He's big. And you know what happens? He stabs the king in the gut with this dagger. And the Bible says this guy was so big that the big, this big guy, his whole belly just kind of absorbs the whole dagger. That's crazy, right? And the Bible says that the dirt began to flow. You can translate that however you want to translate that, all right? I promise you it's in there. But because Ehud embraced it, he probably thought, why am I left-handed? But God had a purpose and God had a plan for him. It, it, it's the problem with our society. We look at ourselves through comparison. Come on, social media. Woo, come on, pastor. You're talking right now, right? Oh, I wish I was on vacation right now. Oh, I wish my hair was cut like theirs right I wish I had hair. That's what I say. Oh, man, the pressure of society to conform. But can I tell you something? God gifted you, and he made you like Ehud for a purpose and a time where God could use you to do great things. And it took me years to understand why God made me and, and he gifted me the way that he gifted me and to understand that. And listen, and I'm still learning this on this journey. I, I don't think you ever, the day that I stop learning that will be the day that I, I, I die, you know, and then I'll learn it all when I get to heaven. It'll be great. But verse 16 says this, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book. Uh, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as they, as yet there was none of them. In other words, God not only designed you physically, but did you know that God planned out your daily schedule for you practically? Oh, man, I thought my wife was the only one that did my schedule for me, right? No, 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 God God planned out your schedule. Because it says it right there, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. Wow, did you know that? Did you know that? That that blows my mind. Did you did you know that God's got it all planned out? And if I believe this, I'm challenging my heart every morning. This ought to challenge you to do this, to align myself with the plan that God has for me rather than the plan that I have for me. God, it's what we do when we get up in the morning. God, today is a new day. Lord, whatever you have planned for me today, God, help me to follow it. Help me to be productive. God, God, don't lead me into temptation, but God, help me, deliver me. God, I pray, Lord, that you help me to walk out everything that you have for me today. In Jesus' name, grab your coffee, go out the door, kiss your wife or husband, and go out the door and go. Say, well, I don't know about that. Well, Jesus did it. Isaiah 50, verse 4, says this, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that should Know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. Everyone say, he awakens me. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. What does that mean? In this messianic prophecy, Jesus is saying this. My father awakens me in the morning by morning that I might have a word for him or 
to someone who was weary or might have direction for, for ministry. If, if, and listen, listen to me. If Jesus got up early every morning and asked the Lord for direction and, and his father for the plan for the day, how much more do you and I need to get up and say, God, what is the plan that you have for me? God, help me to line up for what you have for me today, God, not my own selfish desires. Ask him to lay out, lay out your heart's direction and impressions and, and instruction for the day. I, I want to challenge you. I, I, you know, say, Pastor, you're, you're getting down to where I'm at. I want to challenge you because, listen, I want to push you closer to the Lord. I want to challenge you to try this for a week and get in sync. It's exciting when you get in sync with the Lord. You know what I love about Apple products? I know, you, we can argue this all day. Me and Mike. Mike Baker, are you about this all day? You know why I like Apple products? Because everything syncs together. My computer syncs to my watch. It syncs to my phone. If I get a text message, I get it. I can get it on all of those devices. If I get an email, I can get them on all these devices. Sometimes people text me during church, and I can look at the text, you know, and, and you know, someone's texting me right now. I just got a message. But, uh, but you know, everything is in sync. Don't you want to be in sync with, with the, the God of the universe so much that, man, when, he's, when he sends a message and says, hey, I need you to do this, you can go, whew, I hear that. I got it. God, I got it. Let's do it. Amen? Oh, I love that. Lord, give me your ear for the learned and let me know what's on your heart. Verse 17 says this, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, I am still with you. So this is God's, I love this, this is God's, uh, for the older generation, this is God's postcard. How many know, how many know what a postcard is? How many don't know what a postcard is? All right, all right. I think everyone in here probably, if we had the youth in here, they'd be looking at you like, what's that? Um, um, but this is God's postcard to us, or it's a letter or a text from God to us, and it's him saying this. Thinking of you, right? Uh, oh, it's beautiful. How many love to receive a card from somebody and just get a random card, and it's just like, hey, I was just thinking about you, or a random text. I was just thinking about you today, and I just wanted to, to let you know I'm praying for you today. You get those kinds of cards, you're like, yeah, thank you. That meant the world to me. And it, this is God saying that about you. Hey, I've got you. I, I mean, imagine this, a postcard, if you would, with a sandy beach on it. Come on. Pretty sandy beach. Better yet, imagine sitting on a beach. Come on. Close your eyes. Imagine sitting on a, on a beach right now. Come on. You can pick the beach wherever you want. If you're a Florida beach person, go for it. If you're a California beach person, you know, make sure you got your wetsuit on because the water's cold, all right? But, but wherever you are, if you're in Hawaii, whatever, you know, and you're sitting on the beach, close your eyes. Now, I want you to reach down in the sand right there where you're at. Some of you won't even sit in the sand, but reach down in the sand and grab a handful of sand. And think about all the sand that is in your hand right there. Think about every granule of sand, right? And try to count those in your mind. You can't count them. Those are the thoughts. It's what the scripture tells us. His thoughts are more numerable than, than the sand. It's amazing to me that God loves you. He cares about you. And that's how the sum of God's thoughts are for us. He is not against you. Some of you need to get that, that lie out of your heart. God is not against you. He is for you. Jeremiah 29.11, and we quote this a lot. Listen, I know this was for Israel. This is a messianic uh, 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 prophecy. But listen, and, and, and he's telling them, and the Lord's telling 
telling Israel here, he says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to bring you to an expected or, or a certain end. He's, he's telling him, I've got a purpose for you. You know, God cares about you. Now, Israel had to take a long journey to get around to where they were going, but, but God cares about you. His thoughts are constantly for us. They, they are thoughts of peace. Come on. Some of you need to hear that, thoughts of peace. Verse 19, oh, that you would slay the wicked. O oh God, O oh men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Boy, that's strong words, isn't it? In contrast to the comfort of God's thoughts towards the believer, we see this this calamity of, of the heart of the wicked. And you got to love David. He's just open and honest. God, that you would slay the wicked. God, that you would do away with them. How many have ever been there in your life? God, if you would just take away this problem. Lord, just knock them off the earth. Come on, you've prayed it. Don't act all pious like you haven't said it. Lord, if you'll just take them away somehow. They're talking bad about you. It's what David says. They're talking bad about you. They're, they're taking your name in vain. In our society, we, we have seen the increase of the use of God's name in vain, right? Oh, man, we've simplified it so much, right? I'll give you a good example. OMG. It's like, oh, whoa, whoa, I don't know. I, you know, uh, vain means this. You know what vain means? That word vain, if you look at the original translation, it means empty. We empty God's name. We sometimes reduce or deduce the living God of the universe to emptiness rather than holding him to the place of holiness and righteousness that is God. David says he, he loathes or he hates those that hate, hate you. And David is saying this, I hate the stuff that you hate, Lord. What he really what he's trying to say there is I hate the stuff that you hate, Lord. And what does God hate? Sin. God hates sin. You know why he hates sin? Because it separates you from him. He hates it. Sin separates us from him. He, he loves the sinner. Come on, we like to say that. He loves the sinner. But let me tell you something. He hates the sin. What if we as a people would love God if we, if we love what God loves? What if we as a people would love righteousness, holiness, joy, and peace, and things, and right living, and, and clean living, come on, and hate things that he hates like sin and uncleanness, sinful lifestyles, compromise, and distraction. I was in the hospital with, with Faye this, this last week, and she was, she was uh, you know, just she said, Pastor, I'm a little bit discouraged because I've been in and out of the hospital and, and, and the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me. And, 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 and you know, uh, when I was in there and I said, Faye, the devil works in two ways. He he works in discouragement and he works in distraction. 
And so if, if the devil can dis- discourage you, listen, he, he'll, he'll have you licked. If the devil can't distract you, he can pull you away from what God is trying to do for you. And, and I grabbed her hand and I said, we're going to pray against this discouragement right now. And, man, we prayed right there. And she was crying and I was crying right there. The nurse came in. I said, just give us a minute. We got a Holy Ghost meeting going on right here in the hospital. It's okay. And God was doing something amazing. But God, you know, we, we hate the sins that are separating us from you. Some of you, uh, hmm, some of you are dealing with addictions, and you've got to learn to hate those things more than you, and love God more. You got to learn to hate those things that separate you from God, so that you can be closer to God. I'm being real with you right now. I'm being open and I'm being honest. Be holy for I am holy. Leviticus 21.8. Be holy for I am holy. Exodus 19.6. Be holy for I am holy. 1 Peter 1.16. It's what God asks of us. David here sounds mean, but he's desiring a world where there is no wickedness and no one is evil and no more distractions and no more destruction. And the enemies of God are David's enemies because he's focused on the Lord, living his life close to him and pleasing to to the Lord as possible. Let me ask you this. What if you and I lived a full life that was pleasing to the living God and didn't worry about what the world thought of us? And let me tell you what it does. It starts with humbling ourselves and doing and asking God to do what this next verse says. And if you could help me out uh, on the piano, Quentin, can you help me out? I'm glad you're here tonight. Verse 23 says this. Look at this. It's almost the same way it starts. Read this with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Let me, let's repeat that again. Come on, say it with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. After talking about God's omniscience, God's omnipresence, how God knows our hearts and God's got a better plan. And how God knows us, God is with us, God is where we are, he's in the highs, he's in the lows, he's with us. David does something that that all of us need to do from time to time. He gives God free access to his heart. He says, God, search me. Know my thoughts. If there's anything grievous in me, help me. And it takes a brave person. It takes an honest person that says, God, I'm more about knowing you than I care about what people think about me or what anyone would say about me, but it's about you. When I was reading this uh, and studying this, I was so challenged by this chapter, it made me think, God, have I given you full access to search my heart and try to, to know my thoughts? Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you asked the Lord to check the inventory of your heart? You say, I know my heart. No, you don't. No, you don't. God knows your heart. He's the only one that can reveal things in you, in your heart, that need to be cleaned out, that need to be readjusted. Hey, when was the last time you were humble enough to let the Lord speak to you and say, hey, I I need to change this. I I need to change that. I I need to get this out of my life. See, we can ask God to do this, and 
and he will, but, but it takes a willing heart that will open up and says, I, I need to change, Lord, I, I need you, I need you to show me, Lord, I need you, your Holy Spirit to reveal to me. But here's the problem. I'm not talking about lip service. God, search me. All right. I'll see you guys Sunday. No, 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 no. I'm talking about God. I need you to change me. I'm undone here. I, I need you to. I need you to help me here. I need you to reveal in me, Lord, if there's any selfish ambition. If the, my heart is deceitful, Lord, I, 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 it's all been about my desires. It hasn't been about you, God. I'm not serving for the right reasons, God. I'm serving for my own agenda, Lord. I'm selfish, God. Would you help me to grow? Mm. And you and you and and only you can truly examine me, Lord, and, and make it right. Not not another person, not the pastor, not myself, but only you, Jesus. See, this is what God does. He exposes the hidden agendas in our lives. And every once in a while, we've got to hit the altars and we got to say, God, search me. Search me, clean me, make me right. Amen? I think some of us have been in this such a long time. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we get in this place, well, I've been saved this many years. You know what? You need to probably go to the altar more than anybody. The Bible says this, that it's his kindness in Romans that leads us to repentance. Socrates said this, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. And that is a lie. It's not about knowing yourself. It's about Christ knowing you. Here's what I know is myself, when I try to know myself, I'm selfish. I'm egotistical. I'm not nice. But God, God, one, he knows me best. He tr truly loves me the most. Do you believe that? You know, God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows you more than your mama. God knows you more than your kids. God knows you more than your husband, your wife, fill in the blank. And if he knows you best, I promise you, he has the best interest for you. I say this, Lord, search me, know my thoughts. Why? Because the next part of this says, if, if there are any issues of grievance within me, lead me in the way that is everlasting. His ways always lead to everlasting life. Amen. One more verse right here. Psalm 73, 26 says this. My flesh... And my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever.